1: Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective.
0: 2020 on Vision. Around the world, there are some amazing initiatives that have been birthed with what we might call a kingdom focus for Christians in business and Christian ministry. In the United States, the 5 2 Network equips Christian entrepreneurs to launch a variety of sustainable startups. That reach people for Jesus, the Five Two Network believes that Jesus has given His Church entrepreneurial leaders who know how to bring new life to churches. These leaders they innately create growth through startups of all sizes and shapes. They even suggest that there is a comparison. ...of many modern business leaders to the Ephesians 4 biblical model of leadership. You know, the offices of apostle, prophet and evangelist. Well, our special guest today is Bill Woolsey. He's the founder and president of the 5-2 Network in the USA. He has decades of experience in starting and leading ministries, churches, and networks. Bill authored the book, Seven Steps to Start, a practical how-to-start book written from a front-row seat of over 30 years of outreach experience. He now invests his life in men and women who want to reach people for Jesus in new and creative ways. Bill Woolsey, special welcome along to 2020.
1: Neil, thank you so much. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. And the opportunity to visit with you and uh, with your listeners as well uh, down in Australia.
0: Bill, it's just on the ground where the rubber hits the road right now. You're in the United States. Uh, You've had uh, huge issues around the COVID uh, issues, the shutdowns, lockdowns, uh, businesses, no doubt going to the wall, all sorts of change happening there. Churches who've not been, in so many uh, instances, even allowed to meet, and having to pivot and do mm-hmm. things in a different way. I wonder whether, as our conversation gets underway, I mean, you've got your own experience in the US. Ours has perhaps been a little bit less dramatic in Australia. But what are your thoughts about the idea of the idea of new life into uh, churches uh, in the US, but in Australia too?
1: Well. Neil, you know, it's oftentimes, right, especially if you look into the Book of Acts, where we see uh, in that instance persecution that was brought on the Church, but that was also the uh, seminal event uh, for growth of the Church, right, as the Church was scattered and as the Church is scattered it grows. I, I see that a lot, we see that a lot in our network here in the United States and around the world where for whatever reasons, depending upon the state or the country you're in, the church or the congregation is probably the better way of saying that. Local congregations were unable to meet. Or as we put it, they couldn't do ministry in the way they were used to doing ministry. So again, if we think about the book of Acts, they couldn't do it in the location they were used to doing it there in Jerusalem. And so what we see in churches today Uh, Most of the churches that that we've worked with, uh, sometimes smaller, sometimes larger, we were working pre-COVID a lot on the East Coast of New York State, which just got decimated and shut down right away. Uh, We saw congregations that before COVID, their way of bringing value to a local community, principally, was through what we've called, labeled here, in-person divine community, Close quote. So you and I get community all sorts of ways, right? Sporting, uh, you know, work, uh, friendship groups, whatever it may be. But in but divine community, that's a different thing. And then when you add in person, so most congregations were used to uh, sharing that divine community with people when they would show up at worship in some form or fashion, or maybe a parish group or a small group study or whatever. But you had to go to that location and get it. And then all of a sudden, churches were like, "We can't, we can't meet, uh, you know, by law or whatever. We can't even have people together. So how are we going to communicate and deliver divine community?" And so they had to pivot to digital. And all of a sudden, these churches who didn't think digital was a viable or a valid option had to figure out how to do it, and that put them into a different mindset. That 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 put them into. Uh, having to do things they weren't comfortable doing, but realizing, and this is one of the things we teach, we teach you when you start something, they, they had to get into the shoes of the people they were trying to serve, and realize if we're trying to serve them, we're gonna to have to figure out a way to go to them and deliver Jesus to them, rather than expecting them to come to us and fit into our limitations or, or our expectations. And so that was a game changer in mindset. Now. Whether or not that's gonna stick, I don't know. I mean, things are opening back up here in the United States depending upon the state you're in. I live in Texas outside of Austin. I live out in a rural setting and so it never really got shut down that much, but the city of Austin has been very locked down throughout the whole thing. Uh, Whether or not churches and their leaders, their congregations, if they're gonna learn from that, I I don't know, if they're gonna adopt some of the behaviors and the practices they've been using, but the reality is the people they were caring for, the people they were serving, have changed. Uh, They've been doing practices and behaviors now for a year. They have adopted new values, and that's critical for congregations and for Christians to realize, is that there are new values at play, and anytime there are new values at play, you have new behaviors, and you need to figure out if you're still gonna serve them, Which of those values you're going to adopt as a way to build bridges into them?
0: Well, right now in Australia, Bill, uh, we have a whole state, the state of Victoria, which is in a lockdown uh, with COVID issues. Most of the states and uh, and uh, communities all around Australia are open at this time. Uh, there are those who've experienced some levels of hardship, uh, those who've experienced uh, loss of wages, loss of jobs. Uh, we've had a big bounce back too, which is another uh, good thing that's been happening here in Australia. But this idea of adapting, of adjusting an attitude as a Christian believer... Some will see a glass half full, some a glass (laughs) half empty. This idea of uh, having an attitude to what's happening right now, perhaps that's an idea of discerning what's happening in the times to unlock that entrepreneurial streak that does seem to be so powerful in the heart of so many Christians. Is this something that you've seen, obviously, over the years, the sort of things you deal with, an entrepreneurial streak in Christians? This is something that's very real, isn't it?
1: it 's very, very real, uh, you alluded to in the introduction ephesians four and the the apostle prophet evangelist shepherd teacher model there which which you readily see that's that 's not just a church, obviously those words are very uh, Christian and put into play there, but that 's also an order of creation issue, and so you see people who who are apostolic and evangelistic and prophetic. Who, who exhibit those behaviors without fully realizing the faith that drives them. And as Christians, what, what we know is that those, those three offices are what are called generative offices. They generate growth. They, uh, you know, you said it, but they're, they're innately wired. They're intuitive people. Usually when I sit down with people who have started stuff and say, so tell me how you started it. They, they couldn't tell you if their life dependent on it, they just, you know, well, I went out and talked to these people, and they they don't fully appreciate the gift they have because it's so hardwired in, they just know how to create momentum, they know how to build relationships, and they just go do it because it's, it's their true north. When churches and congregations find themselves in situations like today, where all of a sudden what used to work doesn't work, or it's a new environment, the people that like starting, these entrepreneurial Christians, these apostolic evangelistic type uh, individuals, they they see opportunity, as you said, half full or half empty. They see change as a resource. They see it as an opportunity for growth. And they're constantly looking and going, well, why don't we do X, Y, Z? When you're shepherd teacher types, they're more concerned about managing what they have. Uh, we have a phrase that say, you know, it says, most pastors went to seminary to learn how to care for sheep. They didn't go to seminary to learn how to hunt wild sheep. Well, well, what you need right now, you need people who love to hunt wild sheep, who love to go out and and find new ways of doing ministry. And God has put those people into His church. They have not been well utilized. They're usually not well utilized when things are fine or the status quo is what we're trying to get for, but when the status quo is upset, those are the people you want to leverage, and they're there.
0: Bill, your network is called the 5-2 network, and no doubt that's based on the idea of five loaves and two fishes, and the way that Jesus said to his disciples, uh, let's feed these 5,000 take what's in your hand and a little boy comes with his lunch and there's uh, those uh, five loaves and two fishes and and the miracle starts to happen uh, the way that the food is distributed and keeps on going uh, this idea of expectancy for a supernatural mm. God, divinely, uh, 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 a divinely appointed way of making things successful and working. Uh, give us some insight here into this sort of expectation that you have, because a lot of people, I tend to think, think very much in a natural level. Uh, but mm, there's a certain mm. sense there's a the supernatural level that can that can actually make things work in a, a bigger way than we ever anticipated.
1: Amen to that. You know the the whole dichotomy of natural and supernatural is is simply not in the scriptures. Correct? It's it's all one creation of God. We 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 say it's all sacred. Every, all of life is sacred, and for us to discern and not limit God and not see it simply uh, as a uh, you know he pops in and out at times. Uh, the the beauty of the miracle, especially out of Mark chapter six. Uh, this is this is the seminal miracle for us. This is what started us down our path back in two thousand and nine when we started our network. Uh, I had brought together about eleven church planters. We originally started as a way to support church planters. We were all sitting in the room and said, "Okay, what's the scripture that we're really going to jump off of?" And one of the one of my dear friends uh, said, "Well, you know, this feeding of the five thousand. Let's let's kind of look at that." And what he pointed out to us in Mark six, first of all, the entire chapter is a chapter of scarcity. So Jesus sends out the 12 on the first missionary journey, tells them they can't take anything to do the work. They just have to, take their own shirt and their own shoes and no money and rely on him. And they go out and they're very successful. They come back, John the Baptist has been beheaded. Jesus is mourning. He wants to, you know, have a vacation. They want a vacation. They're exhausted. They get in the boat and and the crowd hears about where they're going and beats them to the shore. And Jesus, it's the miracle starts out and it says he looks at them and he has compassion on them like a sheep without a shepherd. And and immediately though you get the sense that those those 12 apostles uh, they they were disgruntled and so they come to Jesus and they say you need to send the crowd away they're hungry and and the first time he talks it's a command and he commands them in the greek he says you give them something to eat so he holds them accountable for the problem in that community and then they say well it's going to take half year's wages it's crazy you know we're not you don't want us to spend that much money and and behind the scenes there is on strangers we've never met, we're probably never gonna see again, and they only missed one meal. I mean, everybody's missed a meal, it's not a big deal. And he says to them, go and see, commands them again, second time he commands them, go and see how many loaves and fish you have. Well, they do that, they find the little boy, they steal his food, right, and they bring it back. And uh, you kinda sense there, though, that surely they could have found more. Okay, I mean, you got 5,000 men. There's got to be more food than that. But that's all they bring back. And you kind of wonder, is it almost like we told you there's nothing here? And and, and even though they had just had this missionary experience by themselves and, and Jesus' Spirit abundantly blessed them, they they forget that. And so here he does it. He multiplies. And there's 12 baskets left over. Ironically, they each could take one home. And you can hear their wife saying, what's this? And them going sheepishly, I'll tell you later, you know. It's a few leftovers. So, <laughs> it's a few leftovers. And so the, the, yep. the beauty here, and this is the thing, and your previous, your previous speaker on finances, every person, every person we dealt with, uh, their number one fear, uh, the number one fear is failure. And the second fear is, where's the money going to come from? And we tell them, and I can't tell you how many times we've said this, and how many times Jesus has blessed it. Look, let's don't worry about the money. If it's of God, He will provide, and He's going to provide in ways you can't imagine. And sure enough, we just we just had one beautiful story. Uh, she runs a ministry to sex trafficked women in Detroit, and she was a just a poster child for this is never going to work, and where's the money going to come from? And she's about three years in now and the public school district that her kids go to, every year they raise funds for a charity. She had applied for two years, and this year, in 2020 actually, last spring, she was finally chosen, and last year they raised for her ministry, which is a Christian, openly Christian ministry. This is a public school district. Uh, They raised for her more money than they've ever raised for a nonprofit, and they raised $180,000 for her ministry which is just just miracles like that of, of, of God providing the resources. And that's the thing. That's why we chose the name. That's why we chose the miracle. The resources to do what needed to be done were there in the crowd. You just had to find it and bring it to Jesus, and he multiplied it. And that's what we teach more than anything, that, that we want our leaders and our starters to trust that and see Jesus working. Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective, 2020. On
0: vision, looking to get those creative juices happening, and uh, you might be thinking, "I'll just sit on my idea and I won't share it." Well, your idea may well be the thing that sparks another to do something significant. So, uh, I'll encourage you to give us a call. Let us know what your ideas might be. One 316 Our special guest is Bill Woolsey, founder and president of the Five Two Network in the USA. Bill, when we talk about having good ideas, I mean, a lot of listeners will, and if they've been Christians and around church life for a long time, you know, you'll have run a coffee shop or... Parenting classes, uh, There's, uh, I know there's a bunch of ideas that you have on your website. The idea is somebody opened an art centre combining Christ-centred faith lessons with fine art. Uh, let's talk mm-hmm. about a few things that might just get a, a bit of creativity happening. What are some of the biggest and best ones that you can remember uh, that happened over your uh, experience?
1: Uh, Neil, We've, I guess I, let me say first of all what's important is that it's it comes from your passion And therefore, the idea is not so important as is this something you believe in and you wanna do and then we can help you do it. Some examples, a Hmong couple, H-M-O-N-G, a Hmong couple wanted to do a Hmong language school for the uh, second-gen children, Hmong children in uh, Merced, California area, because a lot of times those first-gen parents and grandparents or 1.5 parents, they wanted their kids to retain their tradition and the language as they became more uh, Americanized. Uh, that was uh, an example. Now, Bill Woolsey would never start a Hmong language school or even wanted to, but they wanted to do that. Beautiful. Uh, a, a couple uh, out in Mesa, Arizona, suburb of Arizona, their heart has been with the homeless, and he used to work Uh, for the city of Arizona in the housing department. So again, he had some experience, he kind of knew housing. Uh, They saw the problem of homelessness and they launched what is called uh, La Mesa, the table in Spanish in Mesa, Arizona. And it has grown into a homeless resource center receiving grants and gifts, uh, six-figure gifts. Uh, and, and that was an example that they wanted to care for these homeless people. They really understand them. Like you can't get a job if you're homeless uh, because you usually smell, you don't have a place to put your stuff, you don't have nice clothes. So there are so many things going against you. And they decided they would become a resource center that partnered with other organizations. Beautiful ministry. Now they're looking at taking that on the road into other areas around Phoenix uh moving hope is an example of a ministry down in lakeland florida south of orlando this came out of the idea of a pastor a pastor's heart good friend of mine and he said you know i see this community and he's a, he's a anglo he said there's a there's a community near our church that's underserved a more impoverished predominantly african-american i'm not african-american but my heart is for them and he went and he he was already friends and even built more relationships with African-American leaders in the community, especially Christian leaders, and he brought them together on a team that went through our process, and they launched what is called Moving Hope, uh, because in food-based ministries, oftentimes what's missing are the what you and I take for granted, but the perishable foods, the meats, the the fresh vegetables. And so they created a, a ministry that's a mobile food ministry with refrigerated trucks that brings food into this community. And now it's run by the leaders in that community. But it was the idea of this pastor. He's the one that God put the idea on his heart. He was wise enough. He was astute enough to know I can't lead this, but I can certainly be the one who who moves the thing along? Uh, another one that's smaller would be a group of three uh, single Puerto Rican moms in the Bronx. They all had their children out of wedlock. One of them was uh, was a out of wedlock child, and they said, "You know what? We see these moms in our in our neighborhood, and we want to help them and help them avoid those mistakes. Or if they've already find themselves." we want to make sure that they're successful. And that was... So, so we've seen multi-million dollar starts, small starts that didn't take a lot of money, never never will, uh, just the gamut. But it all flows from the heart of, of that person, all flows from the heart of the individual.
0: Okay, we're taking calls on one eight hundred 316 Let's hear from Catherine in Kyneton in Victoria. Hello, Catherine. Hi there. <laughs> I don't know why I'm calling, but I just had this picture come to my mind. Wouldn't it be nice to have a bit of land and, you know, the, these tiny houses that are all the rage now, hmm. build a couple of those in a circle, but all facing out away from each other. And people that need, um, like groups of people, getaways. And um, so you, you're private, but you're all one, coming together in the middle to, for the evenings or, or whenever, but just, just to get away. And uh, just get away from the rush and the headache of of life. Bill, that's a great aspiration, isn't it? It's a great aspiration. Ironically, uh,
1: Catherine, there are a number of ministries, one in Austin that's called Loaves and Fishes, no affiliation with us, uh, and then our organization that I just mentioned over in Mesa they're taking that tiny house concept and, because they are very inexpensive to build and they're c- creating communities of tiny homes for homeless people. Now, your concept is phenomenal, more like a, almost sound like a retreat center concept. And uh, yeah, this that, that is a great idea. I, again, I think the, the sky's the limit on what you could do. Now, let me just say, one of the things we teach though, a lot of times people will bring us an idea but the idea is only good if it if it really connects and it is something people want so we ask you to hold your idea loosely first let's talk about who you're trying to serve who does Jesus want you to do this for and then let's make sure that your idea is the best way to do it that's financially sustainable because there are a million ways you can you can reach people and you want to make sure that your idea is going to really be something they want and if perhaps they're going to pay for however you're going to fund that so but yes that's it's a great idea a great use of taking an idea like a tiny house and saying what what can we do with that that would be a, a blessing to people
0: bill i know that a lot of people will be hanging on the edge of their seat right now saying it's great to have a creative idea I know these things take money to run. I wonder if we can touch on some ways that you can finance your venture. Mm. Uh, Where do you start with uh, people who have got a great idea?
1: Well, as I said earlier, Neil, first of all, before we get there, we want to make sure this is something that people want and they feel is going to bring them value and they want to be a part of and and uh, uh, get it from you. Because uh, the number one thing that, the one reason businesses fail, same reason churches, congregations fail, is they don't have what people want. So what they're offering, nobody wants. Uh, so when, when you get that, when, when you connect that well, you're off, you're making your funding life a lot easier. Okay. So if you come to me, for instance, say, hey, I've got this idea and I want to, I, you know, I want to do it, but I need, and I'm just going to make it, let's say I need a, you know, $10,000. Before I give you money, uh, just put the shoe on the other foot. If I came to you and said, hey, I need $10,000. Before you would give me that money, you'd want to know, first of all, is the idea any good? I mean, is it really going to work? Secondly, who's this Bill Woolsey guy that wants my money? Is he legit? And, and can he pull it off, okay? And so it, it's like if I asked you to get on a plane with me and fly to you know, some place, you'd wanna know, A, do I know how to fly a plane? And B, do I really wanna go there, okay? Uh, so when you think about funding, you need to first of all understand that what your idea has to make some financial sense in some form or fashion or it has to be so compelling that your donors or individuals are going to believe in it but bottom line it also has to be something people want so when we teach you funding because we teach both sides of the funding equation in our training we talk about earned income stream and donative or donor-based income streams and if you're going to be a nonprofit or you're going to be some kind of we call it marketplace ministry let's say that's going to be in the community we always want you to think about both sides of that coin. Uh, if you're going to be a church plant, let's say in an urban setting, that's hard to do. You obviously are going to be thinking about your your donative side, but what about an earned side? Is there some resource you have that could be leveraged for renting out, or is there some skill set that you could be leveraging? Is there a fee for service? So we want you to think about both of those sides. And there are then different strategies depending upon if I'm gonna go on a full-blown fee-for-service kind of model, I'm gonna need to get investors involved or grants or if I'm gonna be more of a nonprofit. So probably if if a listener's there, they've got an idea, Uh, one of the first things would be to say, okay, is this gonna be a non-profit effort or is this gonna be a for-profit effort and and then we start splitting up from there.
0: There is a sense, isn't there, uh, the donative model and the earned income model could sometimes cross over. There is going to be some elements where you might have major sponsors, major donors, or maybe a lot of small donors, uh, and there still could be the opportunity for earned income as part of the initiative.
1: Yes. So, for instance, our network, our funding model and our network uh, is is roughly a 50-50 model, so we, we have donors who believe in what we're doing, we've demonstrated success, and so they entrust us with their, with their donations. Those donations allow us then to provide our training at a greatly reduced rate, because most of our clientele are nonprofit individuals or churches, smaller churches maybe, and, and so we can provide a very high quality training at a greatly reduced rate because we have donors. But we also believe, and we've seen this, I've worked for now 30 years with church planters. One of the worst things you can do when you're starting a church is to give somebody a whole bunch of money, and they have no skin in the game. Because what ends up happening is they don't fully think through what's going to happen when the money runs out, and they treat it differently than if it was their money, and they've got to repay it. So matter of fact, we encourage if a denominations, for instance, if they're going to start churches, if they have a pot of money, we encourage them to do what is more like a, a returnable dollars concept that uh, we're going to give you X number of dollars when you hit certain points, but you start paying it back immediately, kind of like a pay it forward model so that the fund is replenished. And that way you don't just go fritter it you start thinking huh if i blow this money i've still got to pay it back i'm going to be wiser with it and and that's another idea there
0: back to some creative ideas bill uh, the idea and uh, here's one that lots of people do make a try of and that is the idea of maybe a cafe uh, that's attached to your local church. Uh, others mm-hmm. do things and uh, over the years this has sort of been a popular thing uh, having dinners for all sorts of special occasions and And uh, I note on your website there are people who've Decided they'll do Thanksgiving dinners now. Somehow or other, you know that there might be a a, a, a cost for the dinner, and that might cover the cost of running the dinner. Uh, but there might be someone needed to actually help to seed the opportunity. So you've got to right. find your place here, I imagine, if you've got some creative ideas.
1: Yes, and so in, in that example, let's let's kind of do that one that you raised. So if if you've got some uh, Concept that you want to bring forward and you're going to need some seed money That means you're going to need to enlist a donor who and, and it's again It's this, this kind of two aspects or three aspects. They believe in your cause They believe in you and they believe you can do what you say you're going to do So they believe in your methodology you might say uh, and, and then they may say, okay, I, you know, I need 10,000 to pull this thing off, but then we're gonna get the money back, but I, I've gotta have the money in advance, kind of thing. So you're gonna, that that's a fundraising model where you're gonna to wanna to learn how to tell a story. And anytime you go to ask a larger donor for a significant amount of money, you need to approach it like an investment. Uh, that person is, is they're, they're typically gonna see their dollars a little differently than a $25 donor does, and they're going to see this of what is the return I'm going to get. Now obviously they're not going to get money back. What they're going to get back is uh, making a difference in the kingdom, but they're going to want to see that difference. So when you go to tell a story and you're asking for dollars, there you need to have an example of the person you're gonna serve and you wanna tell about one person. People give dollars more when the story is about one person than when it's about a group. They can't see a group as clearly. But if you tell me about Jim, who is this particular situation and how what you're gonna do is gonna help Jim, I can see Jim, I, I understand it better. And then you're gonna to wanna to help me understand what it is you're doing and what's your gap. So what is the financial gap you have that you're asking this person to contribute to and how's that gonna make a difference? Uh, that That's an example kind of using the one you did of, okay, I'm gonna to need to go get a donor who brings X number of dollars, as opposed to I'm gonna go get a whole bunch of donors and have some kind of a you know gala event or something like that.
0: Bill, is it the case that the same principles apply whether you're doing something really quite small-scale uh, or doing something big scale. I noticed one of the examples you have on your website, uh, the purchase of duplexes, uh, providing below market rental housing for refugee mm-hmm. families. I mean, uh, what we're talking about here is uh, buying buildings, uh, buying duplexes, providing accommodation, and somehow or other the costs need to be met there. And there may be some ways that that cost could be met more easily. but. If you're talking small events and small uh, uh, ventures, uh, the same principles apply. The bigger you go,
1: the same principles apply in the sense that uh, money is not the mission, but where there's no money, there's no mission. Okay, so so money is an issue. The amounts you need uh, and what you're going to need beforehand would differ, and. We always encourage people to not get hung up on the amount or, 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 or what you, you're needing, but first get the idea solid. Get the idea right. So let me, let me just say, uh, the, the, the case of uh, the sex trafficking ministry in Detroit, she has three homes and apartments. They were all given to her all right? So she didn't actually have to go buy them. Why? Because she presented her need, it was of God, the word got out, and people gave her resources, just like the feeding of the 5,000. The case of the the mobile food ministry down south of Orlando, the refrigerated truck that they have, a donor heard the story, wrote the check for $50,000 for the truck. They didn't they didn't have that money, all right? So my point in, in this time and time again uh, is get the idea right. Get the idea and who you're gonna serve right, and then you start telling that story. But but in the case you just used also of the duplexes, uh, you don't know who's out there, who God has waiting to contribute to something significant. Uh, that that you can present them and don't limit that and don't give up on the idea prematurely because you think it's just going to cost too much money. I don't know where the money is going to come from.
0: Talk back line open 1-800-316-316. You can also respond to our 2020 Facebook question today. It asks, if you could start up a business or ministry to reach people for Jesus, what sort of business would you start? Liz responded on Facebook. Liz says, I've always wanted to open a Christian bookshop with food and coffee for sale, a lovely place for anyone to come in and chat and to give them the opportunity to have a book that can help them on their journey, as well as a place for them to be prayed for too. somewhere where people are honored over profits. What are your thoughts for uh, Liz and her idea? So, Liz, uh,
1: your idea is one that we, we've we seen and heard in some form or fashion many times. Uh, I would say to you a couple things. First of all, uh, where is this going to be? So that type of ministry is going to need to be in what we would call a high traffic setting. Uh, it's, it needs to be a drive-by. In other words, uh, you wouldn't put a coffee shop buried in a neighborhood that nobody drives by. Uh, You're gonna want it to be, and just think about it yourself, okay? If, If I personally were going to go get a book and get coffee, what would draw me to go to that place? And then how many people would I need for this thing to be financially sustainable? So you have to have a number of people. A number of people that come to us with that idea, they ended up not doing it because they did not have a location that was gonna fit. Now, on the other hand, we have, this, this is an example of this very thing you're talking about. Up in St. Ignace, which is the uh, northern part of Michigan, state of Michigan the U.S., uh, on Lake Michigan, uh, Saint Ignace is a is a tourist community. Uh, this retired couple moved up there. They found out that their church they wanted to attend was meeting in a hotel that was wouldn't do. They bought an old laundromat that's on the main drive. A million people go by that every year, uh, mainly tourists, but they drive by it. So it's a it's a known location, right across from the uh, snow ski or the snowmobile out to the island. Uh, and they turn it into a coffee shop that has a space for a church to meet in in the back. It's a very faith-oriented ministry, but it also makes money and is sustainable, and it has all of those dynamics you just mentioned. So your idea is, is one we've seen before. For it to work effectively, you need to think through who's this for, where does it need to be to be successful, and don't just go out and rent a building somewhere that fits your budget.
0: Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Kaz in Wyala in South Australia. Hello, Kaz. Hello, how are you? Very good, Kaz. What are your thoughts?
1: Good. Okay, so I've um, introduced... I have a party shop in Wyala, and I've introduced um, giftware um, glasses and that sort of thing, and then I started to think maybe I should um, put some Christian items in my shop, which I have, and they're selling really, really well, but also Mm. it's opening up conversations that I wouldn't usually have with my customers because when someone says, oh, I love that stuff, you know, my mum would love that, and I say, is she a Christian? And they go, yeah, and then it opens up this whole big conversation about church, about everything, and it's just
0: fantastic. I love it. <laughs> wonderful, Kaz. That's Your thoughts,
1: wonderful. Bill? Yeah, that's that's fantastic, Kaz. And that's an example of what we would call like a marketplace ministry. You're a for-profit uh, business, and yet you have a heart for Jesus, and you're trying to figure out ways to have conversations with people about Jesus. So I, I think that's that's fantastic.
0: Uh, while we've got Kaz there, uh, Bill, the idea of adapting your existing business to provide some mm. sort of Christian service, uh, is this something that people uh, from time to time uh, think of and get creative about?
1: Well, it, it is, and it it really boils down to the faith of that leader and what they're trying to do. Obviously, if you're in a, if this is your business and you're using it to make a living, uh, and you have a customer base, you're going to want to be wise. And as you, as you said, Kaz. So, for instance, Kaz, if you said, "I want, I want more Jesus in my shop," so I'm going to get rid of everything and only sell Jesus stuff. I suspect your business would have faltered. Okay. Uh, but you said, no, I'm going to see if this is something that our, my people, or my customers might want, and you tested it slowly, and, if, and you're, you're seeing some traction with that. Uh, that's the wiser approach to do. And then it amounts to uh, how are you going to have those conversations? And we encourage you to think in terms of Questions. Kind of like what you did, but some of the questions we would even say: so if if somebody if somebody let's say they they saw it and they and they came into the register and they bought an item, I would I would tell your staff that you always want your staff to ask them: what did you like? What do you like about that? So rather than lead them on and use the word Jesus or God or Christian, just say: what did you like about that? And let them sh- tell you what they love about that product. That will help you then in saying, what other things could we be saying and doing here that would resonate with what they loved about this particular item? So if they said, Well, I really like how it talks about Jesus, well, hey, wow, you know, what do you think about Jesus? Now all of a sudden, there's another bridge you're building and and sharing Jesus and talking about him and engaging with him.
0: Kaz in Wyala, thank you so much for your call. And time's now running short, Bill. Let me ask you, because you've got some online assessment tools that people can use Mm -hmm. to identify uh, their entrepreneurial gifting. Uh, how does that work? Uh, do uh, would listeners connect with you via your website? You've got a simple quiz and in depth online assessment. Uh, what does that do for the individual?
1: Uh, yeah, Neil. What I would I would suggest you do. We have our whole training platform, and we've made it very accessible. Uh, we have a couple of sites. The one I would suggest you look at if you're listening is Start New Training. That's all one word. StartNewTraining.com. Uh, When you get there, you're going to see that we do have a a, a quiz of sorts what we call a readiness quiz. In other words, you have an idea. You're not sure what to do with it. Could we help you get it started or not? Uh, You'll also see our course there. So many of the things we talked about today, whether it's raising funds or it's really making sure you understand your customer or it's uh, who God has made you to be. We have a soup to nuts, kind of the whole thing. A course on how to launch, how to build, fund, and launch a venture that helps people. So, I would I would encourage you to check out startingtotrain com. See if that's for you. Uh, that would be one one great place to go and and get some understanding of how God has
0: wired you in the process. Bill, oftentimes we're looking for someone who will tell us the truth, uh, a, sh- a straight a <laughs> yes, straight talker. If, if there are <laughs> listeners today listening in and they say, well, I'm going to contact you, uh, the uh. 5-2 network, uh, is there someone mm-hmm. uh, who will be able to look at an idea and, uh, and without a lot of uh, difficulty say, that's an idea that'll work? Or... Uh, just tell them up front, uh, this is an idea that won't work. Uh, go back to the drawing board. Get a, a bit more imaginative. Uh, be more creative. Is there someone who will tell the truth?
1: Well, we we will do that. You can easily, probably the best way to do that would be to come in through the info section of our website or send an email to info at com, kind of explaining your idea. Uh, we also have where you could set up a 15-minute phone call with one of us. But let me just say... Uh, and I know I sound like I've said this over and over again, a, a quote unquote bad idea can resonate with enough people that it becomes a good idea. At the same time, a really good idea put into the wrong community becomes a bad idea. So it's that, that concept of idea uh, mm-hmm. sufficiently connecting with who you're trying to serve or reach that makes it a good idea. So I wouldn't just throw something out, but if you bring me something, I always want to know, so who's this for? Where are they? Do you know them? Do you love them? Because you can't reach somebody you hate. And that's where the the secret sauce is, you might say.
0: Well, Bill Woolsey, I think there's some creative juices flowing. And uh, if our conversation today sparks uh, individuals around Australia to think about what they might be doing in their community, whether it's church-connected, or whether it's business with a kingdom mindset, that's going to be so, so valuable. Bill, you wrote a book called Seven Steps to Start, a practical how-to-start book written from a front-row seat of over 30 years' outreach experience. There may be listeners who will want to get a hold of that book. There's also some training that you run, the Start New Training. Let me give websites for listeners who want to follow through here and make some connection with you, Bill. Uh, Let me first of all give the 5-2 website, 5-2, that's F-I-V-E-T-W-O.com, and the training website is startnewtraining.com. The book is Seven Steps to Start. In fact, uh, we didn't get into this, and I did want to, actually, a sacramental entrepreneur's guide Mm -hmm. to launching startups that thrive. And uh, some people will be interested in the terminology you've got there, because uh, it turns in... Uh, the idea of an entrepreneurial pursuit uh, to those things that are sacramentally uh, set apart uh, for God's blessing. So, uh, But listeners might like to get a hold of your book, Seven Steps to Start. Bill Woolsey, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with uh, Australian listeners here today on 2020.
1: Neil, thank you so very much and God be with you.